So throughout this fall sermon series, A Place in This World, for the last several weeks, Pastor Nate has taken us from 1 Samuel from the days of Kings, where he talked about finding a place in this world for afterthoughts, such as King David's brothers, to 2 Kings, where he talked about healing of Naaman the leper, to Israel in exile through lamentations and finding a place for all those who are grieving in this world, It's the period of post-exile in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, where he talked about finding a place for all of us who feel lost in this world, redeemed through God's undying love for us. After the last prophet Malachi, there is about 400 years of silence where God stopped speaking to God's people through the prophets. And that silence is finally broken when Jesus is born in Bethlehem. So today, we continue the series by following the arc of the Bible, positioning into the New Testament, starting with the early stories of Jesus in the Gospels. Please join me in prayer. O Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. There is a word in South Africa called Ubuntu that roughly translates into kindness. But South African bishop Desmond Tutu takes this important word that describes the philosophy of South Africa and translates it as, I am, because you are. That I cannot be me without you being you. I love that phrase. I am, because you are. It indicates our interconnectedness and what it means to live in community with one another. Finding a place in this world, after all, has to do with figuring out who I am based on who you are and how we can bring one another closer to Jesus. In today's passage, we have four friends who bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus who happens to be preaching at a house in Capernaum. The place is so full that the four friends have to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus by digging a hole through the roof. And whenever I see the place is so full, I think about masks and vaccinations and think, I hope they're all vaccinated. It's funny how we tend to impose, superimpose our situation into whatever we're reading. This story of four friends so beautifully illustrates Ubuntu. I am because you are. I believe there are three lessons we can learn about finding a place for a friend like the paralytic man. And they all start with the letter T. The first one is think of new ways to help a friend find their place in this world. Think of ways, new ways, to help a friend find his or her place in this world. 
I believe this church is called to be like these four friends who thought of a creative way of caring for one paralyzed man, a man who had, been, who had nothing to offer to the world by bringing him to Jesus and helping him find his place in this world. I wonder when the last time was that we searched for creative ways to introduce Jesus to one of our friends, perhaps paralyzed by this world, by fear, by rejection. These four friends stuck with the paralyzed man who had absolutely nothing to offer them in return. Just as they were willing to dig through the roof, I believe we're called to do exactly that. Do we have the audacity to drill a hole into the church, into the church roof? or the church wall, or the back door, to bring those who cannot come in through the front door for whatever the reason. Can you imagine what will happen if we drilled a hole in this beautiful building? I'm aware that digging a hole in the roof is messy business. Think about all the dirt and debris that will fall to the floor of the church. What if the roof caves in and people inside get hurt? Who will pay for the damage? Do we have insurance for this? But being in a relationship with one another, practicing Ubuntu means making a promise that we will care more about the community than the building, the people more than the structure, no matter how messy things may get. That we will take the necessary risks to bring people closer to Jesus so that they may be healed, so that they may join the community, so that they may be loved, so that they may belong. So many times at church, everything seems a little routine, doesn't it? We seem to be on autopilot a lot of the time. We go through the motions as Christians that we fail to recognize that sometimes radical measures are needed to bring our friends to Jesus. There's a story of three city workers. One was absent one day, so the two of them went out to do the work they were asked to do around the city. One person dug a hole and the other person filled it up. They did this throughout the city when a passerby saw this because it doesn't make any sense for one to dig a hole and the other one to fill it. The passerby saw this and asked, uh, what are you doing? One of the city workers explained, well, you see, there are three of us who usually come out to work. I'm supposed to dig. Another person is supposed to plant a tree, and this person is supposed to fill up the hole. But today, the man who is supposed to put the tree in the hole called in sick. But the two of us faithfully came out to do our job. Unless we can think of new ways of practicing Ubuntu, we'll be doing what these two city workers were doing, digging up the hole and filling it up 
again and again. I'm so proud of our church for thinking of new ways to help our friends find a place in this world, in this church. We've been digging holes with the growing small group ministry, confirmation class, and mission collaborators conference done in a totally different way so that more of our friends can come in through entryways other than just the front door of our church. What other ways can we think of helping those around us find a place in this world? So that's number one, think of new ways. Secondly, the second lesson we learn about helping a friend find a place in this world is through trust, another T word. It says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. In the New Testament, faith, most of the time, doesn't mean belief. It means loyalty, trust, commitment. It is the loyalty, trust, and commitment of the four friends that bring true healing to the paralytic friend. I wonder how many of us struggle with trusting God and others. According to John Gottman, professor emeritus of psychology at University of Washington, trust is built in very small amounts. In any interaction, there is a possibility of connecting with the other person or turning away from them. He goes on to say that every small opportunity to build trust is also an opportunity to betray one's trust. How are you using every small opportunity to build trust with God and others? The four friends in our gospel story today had an opportunity to either carry their paralytic friend up to the roof, dig a hole through the roof and lower the friend to Jesus, very hard work, or to ignore the paralytic friend, not so much hard work. When we're confronted with either building trust or betraying it, what do you do? What do you do with God? When we respond and engage in what might seem like small but hard opportunities, it just might lead to our healing as well as the healing of others. The last lesson we learn about helping our friends find a place in the family of God is another T word, truth-telling. Truth-telling. After seeing their faith, Jesus looks at the paralytic man and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. During the time of Jesus, if you were crippled or diseased, you were ostracized because you were considered unclean. In fact, back then, someone who was, was, was paralyzed or diseased was known to be punished by God for having done something terribly wrong and was a sinner. So you see everybody in that room was looking at this paralytic and thinking, oh, he's a sinner. He's a sinner. The verb Jesus uses in your sins are forgiven is in passive tense, which means Jesus isn't actually forgiving the sins of the paralytic, but simply stating the truth 
that he is already forgiven in God's eyes, that contrary to the common belief of the people in that room, Jesus is making a bold claim that this man's paralysis isn't due to his sins, that God does not consider him a sinner. Not only is he not a sinner, he's a son. Jesus is telling the truth more than actually doing the forgiving because there isn't any forgiving to do, only the truth to tell that the paralytic man is his son, already forgiven and loved. When it comes to church, perhaps our issue is that we try so hard to fix people. I don't know if you've ever seen any people in the church that you wanted to fix. I have, if I am honest. We try so hard to fix people when what they really need is to hear the truth and be affirmed of their sense of belonging, that they are good with God, for us to tell the truth of God's love to one another. And maybe you don't look at other people and think they need to be fixed. Maybe you look at yourself and you think, I need to be fixed. That's why I come to church. I need to be fixed. But when you look at the Bible, it's interesting how Jesus' first reaction isn't, oh, this person needs to walk. But Jesus' first reaction is, this person needs to hear the truth, to be cared for, to know that he belongs, that he's okay with God, that he's a valued part of the family. What about us? When we look at people, do we see their disabilities and problems we need to fix? Or do we simply tell the truth of God's love to them? So let's try it. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you can see yourself through God's eyes. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope you can see yourself through God's eyes. And then I want you to say, forgiven and loved. Forgiven and loved. How did that make you feel? I hope each and every one of you can see yourselves and one another through God's eyes forgiven, and loved. Finding your place in the world means telling the truth of how God sees us through Jesus Christ. I heard a very moving story from Becca Stevens of Thistle Farms at our Mission Collaborators Conference earlier this month. For those of you who don't know, Thistle Farms is a social enterprise operated by women who have been rescued from human trafficking. Becca Stevens is the founder of Thistle Farms, and she had very inspirational and moving stories to tell us about women who came out of trafficking. Among those stories, the story of Sophia has stayed with me. Becca was feeling really burnt out, and she felt like quitting her ministry and 
but she ended up traveling with Sophia one day. Sophia was in her 20s, who had been sexually abused since she was nine years old. And for the very first time, Sophia was on an airplane with Becca and was so excited to see the clouds and took lots of pictures through the window. After a while, she rested her head on Becca's shoulder and said dreamily, I never knew. Becca asked her what it was that she didn't know. Sophia responded, I never knew that there was a sky above the clouds. Upon hearing this, Becca thought, yep, I'm good for at least five more years. <laughs> that just did it for me. Friends, keep telling the truth. Truth that there is a sky above the clouds to those who need to hear it. And the truth is, and the truth is, God has been digging a hole in the roof for us from the very beginning so that we can find a place in this world and be closer to God. Things that we never ever expected happened because God loved us. The reason we can think of new ways, trust in God and others, and practice truth-telling is because God did that for us. God dug a hole in the roof when he called Moses the murderer and stutterer to go and free his people in Egypt. God dug a hole in the roof when he used Rahab the harlot to get the Israel spies out of Jericho so they could enter God's promised land. God dug a hole in the roof when he called a mere shepherd boy David to be the king of Israel. God dug a hole in the roof when God sent Jesus, God's one and only son, to be one of us so that we can have peace with God. Then Jesus, then Jesus dug a hole in the roof when he drank and ate with the sinners, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, when he carried the cross and died on the cross and the curtain in the temple tore into two so that we can be brought to God. God dug a hole in the roof through Jesus when the stone was rolled away and he rose again from the dead so that we too may live. Then, then Peter, then Peter dug a hole in the roof when he ate the unclean animals in his vision, when Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, when Paul, the persecutor of Jesus' followers, became the martyr himself, when the greatest movement in the history of the world grew and grew through 12 uneducated men in Galilee so that we can be here together in this place today. All the things that shouldn't have happened happened in the Bible, all because God started digging a hole in the roof because God loved us and saw us for who we are, beloved children of God. Can we do the same for one another? Ubuntu, I am because you are and we are because Jesus is, and we are because Jesus is. And just as the people who witnessed the paralytic man walk home with the mat in his hand that day, and they said, we have never seen anything 
like this. And we say, we have never seen anything like this. Amen.